Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, patients, families, colleagues, and curious folk to the PM&R Report. Our podcast is brought to you by the University of Texas at Houston in conjunction with McGovern Medical School and TIRR Memorial Hermann Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. We bring you another segment of medical explanation, reviews of current literature, expert opinions, debates, and just plain interesting stuffs. So good morning, everyone. I'm, I have the pleasure of um, interviewing today one of my personal mentors. He's probably the first attending that I worked with in the field of physiatry, uh, Dr. Monica Verdusco Gutierrez. Hello. So Dr. Gutierrez just gave us a Grand Rounds lecture on uh, social media usage within kind of applied to physicians. It's a little bit more directed toward um, uh, professionals within the medical field. And there were some very strong salient points to her presentation. And I'll let her kind of take over and explain the, the overarching theme of what it is that she was trying to get across. I think the overarching theme in the message today is that there are limited times we have to interact with our patients, you know, these days we have clinic and you have to, you know, you only have so much time to see patients before you move on to the next one. And you want to give them so much information, like you need to exercise, you need to do your therapy, you need to eat right, whatever it may be. Of course, in physiatry, we're a big proponent of rehabilitation, exercise being their medicine. And so what is another way that they can get this message? And I think social media is one of those ways that we can interact with our patients offline, that they still get the good messages of, you know, oh, I should be exercising, or, oh, look, that's a reminder of what the doctor told me about being active at home, or about how exercise is going to help my brain recover. So that was one point of how we can use it to help facilitate patient care. The other thing with that is that... It's being used also by the CDC and the World Health Organization. So it's not just me telling this, but these organizations say people are going onto social media and they're using these sites for their healthcare decisions. They kind of look there and they'll say, I believe what it says here on the internet because everything's true on the internet. Of course, it's not. (laughs) So it behooves us to put good, true information out there for people to see. So that was one of the first things that you that you showed in your presentation was actually statistically, um, you know, what percentage of patients are are admitting that you know they they look up their own symptoms or their own possible diagnoses mm-hmm. or what it is that their physician told them. So they end up going and doing some self research. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of one of the. And, and, and what were those statistics? So how high was that percentage of patients okay. that that admit that hey, my doctor told me so and so or. I have a cough and a headache, so I went online and I looked that up. It's huge. It was like 70% that were looking on social media for their healthcare sim- symptoms. And then the number of like 19 to 25-year-olds who actually believed what was on there was 90%. Okay. So what's on there, they're, they're looking on there and they're believing what it says. And 40%, they want to know that their, provi- their provider's there and they care about what their provider's social media presence is. So, 
you know, people are on social media. We saw like 70% of people in the United States have social media accounts. That was as of last year. You know, every quarter it's growing. There's more Facebook users. There's more Twitter users. There's more Instagram users. People are on these sites and they're getting information from those sites. And then, you know, there's, like I talked about, the anti-vaccine you know, they can get that information or right. they can get true, good medical information from healthcare professionals. So you're saying something as simple as, you know, let's say lay person, patient wants to get more information and they Google, and not to make this about vaccines at all, but they Google the word vaccine. Mm-hmm. They're going to get, you're saying, a mix of both those, those things because those things have been popular within media, within, you know, disseminated information. Right. So they can go onto social media sites and do a search. They can go to Twitter and do a hashtag search. Instagram just made an update this past week where you can search things by hashtag as well. And so they're going to say, like, hashtag vaccine, and they're going to see Jenny McCarthy telling you that your child's going to have autism and that you need to, you know, drink... (laughs) flower juice and eat your placenta or something to <laughs> So for anyone that anyone that out there doesn't understand hashtags um, so it's that the the is it ampersand or is the is that like tic tac toe So it's the pound sign <laughs> The pound sign not yeah. the ampersand Yeah no. And and what's the function to that pound sign So it's going to be kind of oh there's a couple Ways it's going to be a me- basically it's your message like I would say it's your hashtagging your your life your hashtagging your brand it's going to be either a theme a disease a healthcare conference so these can all be hashtags so you know, the big one in our field that has been started and disseminated widely probably the most is hashtag physiatry okay. and so <clears throat> when I'm putting something on social media that has to deal with our field and that I want to reach out to other people who are in our field, I always put like hashtag physiatry at the end if it has anything to do with PM&R. And if there's conferences, there's usually hashtags for conferences too. So you can follow what's going on at a conference easily. And there is for different disease states as well. So no hashtag TBI, hashtag ICU rehab, hashtag concussion, hashtag sports med. I mean, there's just different things. There's the big, kind of big one right now is the hashtag women in medicine. It's a big thing that women have kind of come together. There's a different societies that have started women in PM&R, women in anesthesia, women in surgery, and then there's a hashtag in general either hashtag women in medicine or hashtag I look like a surgeon or hashtag I look like a physician. And these have been disseminated widely to show like, this is what a doctor looks like, you know, a okay. female. And and you mentioned um, in your presentation again, there was a group of, and it was, if, if I understood correctly, a subgroup within PM&R of women in medicine who had pushed a little bit of a I don't want to call it an agenda because that kind of sounds negative, but they helped to get get the ball rolling with a big medical group out there, Medscape, which is mm-hmm. a huge medical group out there, um, which year after year, Medscape has published a compensation report mm-hmm. on all the different subspecialties, you know, anesthesia, allergy and immunology, emergency medicine, internal medicine, family medicine, and so on and so on. And our field of, you know, our subspecialty of medicine has not been represented within 
within those reports over the last few years. And mm -hmm. I can actually attest that even when I was a medical student before I went to residency, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's real world information, it's professional information to go out there and see, hey, what does the average person make within this field? And I couldn't find that information, at least not, not from Medscape sources. Mm -hmm. So that subgroup that you're talking about got something done pretty impressively mm -hmm. quickly. So, so there is a group on Facebook, it's called Women Physiatrists. So it's over a thousand members at this point. And so it's going to be attendings, residents, just from all over the country, and some even from outside of the country as well, who practice physiatry. And on this group, it is a private Facebook group, and you do have to be, you know, there was administrators that put it together, and you have to be led in by, by another group member who knows that you're in the... Sounds kind of like the mafia a little bit. Somebody right. needs to, you know, vouch yeah, for you. Right, vouch for you, yes, <laughs> in the PM&R field. And this is a nice forum for these women physicians to kind of ask questions. It's both medical questions or referrals. And at one point, someone came out and said, you know, we, Medscape just came out with a compensation report and PM&R is not there. We're not a represented specialty. But like you said, it's so important to know, like, what are we making? Am I making the right thing for the part of the country that I'm in right. and for what I do? And we just have no idea. And this is one of the most popular and biggest compensation reports. So some of the leaders of the group said, hey, this is important. So we made it into a Twitter, like we put a nice little picture together because like I'd said, like pictures on Twitter help disseminate information more. And we put the information out there and a lot of us who have Twitter, we took this and we disseminated it on Twitter sites to Medscape and to Eric Topol, who is the CEO of Medscape. And we said in a nice way, like I said, you have to be nice on t social media, be okay. nicer than you are in real life. And we said like, <laughs> hey, you have Medscape, you have this great compensation report. And there's over a thousand female physiatrists who think it's important that PM&R should be added onto your compensation survey. And they took note, they took note within a couple of days and said, hey, yeah, all right. And they, um, you know, started responding back to us personally, both the CEO and Medscape That's in impressive. general. And they have now incorporated that PM&R is going to be part of their compensation survey. So. So, so they've said it's for the next one that's coming out or in a couple of years or... And for the next one that's coming out. Wow, that's, that's yeah. pretty quick turnaround. Right. So getting, yeah. getting things done. Women in medicine. Hashtag women in medicine. Hashtag women in medicine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, switching gears a little bit, part of your presentation was explaining how the current generation of young physicians, so young physicians, I mean, if, if I'm going to put a number out there, so physicians in their 30s, um, this isn't like your father's or your, or your father's father, not to make it patriarchal, um, 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 kind of career saying, oh, social media, you know, like kind of just stay away from that. Um, like I don't have to have a, a presence, you know, mm -hmm. in, in, that, in that world. Like you're saying, I mean, huge percentages of the population are on some sort of social me media, be it mm -hmm. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, what have you. Mm -hmm. um, so... Part of what, what I felt you were doing was kind of giving us some coaching tips on how it is that we should refine our presence on social media. Mm -hmm. So do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Right. So like I said, you know, the world of social media is big and there, you know, especially Facebook has 200 
billion active users. 200 billion. Wait, is that what I... Two billion. Two billion. Two billion. billion. So I was like, 200 billion, there's not that many people. Yeah, two billion, (laughs) which is, you know, not all of those are active users, but there's very many, a big percentage of those that are... You're talking about an estimated six to seven billion people on the the planet. Right. Two billion active users. Active users, right. Wrapping your head around that number is impressive. Right. To say the least. Exactly. And so, and it's, you know, huge in the other sites as well. And so what we're putting out there if you want to be professional and reach out to these people. So you have to, you know, stand for your brand. Okay. And make it clean. Because I said, you know, even though the social media world is big, it's also small. Okay. And so people are going to see what you put on there. And even if you delete it, like I said screenshots last forever. Okay. And also you don't know what these sites are keeping. They may be able to keep a record of everything that's ever been put out there. And some do that. So even though you delete it, it's, it's available somewhere. And I think there's perfect examples of exactly what you're talking about. This, I mean, high-profile cases. Let's talk about celebrities, right, that get in trouble for something they tweeted and They'll even say in like a headline, you know, so-and-so tweeted something and two minutes later deleted it. But it doesn't matter. Somebody catches that and it gets posted. And it even makes a bigger story if it's, you know, been deleted because it's then like, oh, what did they actually say? You right. Know? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, right. People can, yeah, take screenshots of it, even if, especially if it's deleted right away. And okay. then, you know, it can get out there, just like you said. And um, the other thing that sometimes you don't realize is your followers can see what you've liked, too. So on Twitter, if you're liking something totally inappropriate or you're, you know, they can see what you've liked and what you've retweeted, and it might give them an idea of, um, you know, what your political beliefs are, what's... Um, your, your religious beliefs, your religious like beliefs, that. or if you're liking things that are inappropriate, then okay. And I was saying, you know, some of this is public, or what you think you may have put all the privacy settings on, but people can still see kind of what your profile picture is or what your background picture is, even if they're not your friend. If you have your name that's available and they can look up what's there. And I think that employers are starting to use this. I had talked about examples of, you know, coaches are using this and they're seeing it for their athletes. Harvard rescinded authors to for admission to 10 students based on what was in their social media accounts. So it can be used. So if you have something that's not good, people can use it against you. Yeah, you mentioned uh, it was a Division One football coach, right? Right. Who had, who had, you know, let go of some prospective athletes that they were trying to recruit based on things that they had said or things that they had, you know, shown mm-hmm. on their on their social media. And our residency program director, Dr. Frontera, is actually present during the Grand Rounds. And one of the attendees asked if, you know, if program directors are using this, you know, social media sites when they are actively recruiting Mm -hmm. potential residents? And the answer was a resounding yes. Right. Um, So so we have to kind of be cognizant of that as, you know, as medical students pursuing residency, as residents pursuing either fellowships or jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, it's it's it kind of ties back to how do you kind of clean all this up? You know, what's what's right and what's wrong? You Mm -hmm. had a slide on what's potentially you know, um, objectionable and what's like explicitly very bad. And so anything from, you know, are you holding, is there a glass of alcohol in your picture that can be potentially objectionable? If you're 
you know, tweeting about something that's religious, about something that's political. You know, some people take offense to those things. Anything that's polarizing. Anything that's polarizing, yeah. And, of course, there's explicit things like don't break HIPAA, don't, you know, say something about your patients or, hey, that's my patient that I did X, Y, Z to. Or even something, you gave, you gave an example of something that may seem kind of benign but turns out to be a HIPAA violation. Let's say you know, a patient wants to take a picture with you after their admission, after mm-hmm. their inpatient stay. Right. And you say, yeah, sure, I'll take a picture with you. And they happen to be f- friends with you on Facebook and they post it. Mm-hmm. And if you turn around and say, hey, I'm so, I'm so glad that you're doing so much better after your stay at the hospital. Mm-hmm. That's technically a violation of HIPAA because you're sh- you're sharing even the simple information, but I mean it's private information that they were admitted to the hospital and that they may not want that exactly. even though they're the ones sharing the picture. So we have to kind of be cognizant of like really of of all the pitfalls here. Right. So there's definitely a fine line that we talk about. So yeah, there's and there's lots of pitfalls. So there is an article that I talked about that was recently in Medscape where they talked to an attorney about what's appropriate, what's not. Can you have a, a profile and can you be friends with your patients? And there's some society guidelines that say have a separate professional account. But this one says if you don't and you have friends, you know, connections with your patients, then you definitely have to not cross that line. You can, if they put a picture of you, just maybe like it, don't say anything about it, like, oh, I'm glad you are taking your medications because then that makes (laughs) it look like there is a relationship and you're putting it out there that you prescribe some medications to them. And that's definitely a HIPAA violation. And I also talked about how 92% of state medical boards across the United States had a physician be in big trouble due to some social media issue. And so you have to be, again... Be careful what you put out there and what kind of relationships. So they were not opposed to having relationships with patients. And like I said, it's important to disseminate information and for them to get good, true information on the Internet. But you have to be careful how you reciprocate it back. (laughs) So what about the patients that are going to turn around and ask you for direct advice through a social media, you know, forum? Mm -hmm. What, What do you recommend in regards to that? So let's say, okay, patient... Patient X friend requested me, and I said, sure, you know, why not? Mm-hmm. Seem like a reasonable human being. Mm-hmm. Why not? Let's be friends on Facebook. And then mm-hmm. they're asking me on some public forum, hey, I have these symptoms. What do you think I should do? Mm-hmm. How would you handle that situation? So some of it is you can just, like, put it right out there on your site. If you're on Twitter, you can put, like, tweets, do not equal medical advice. Or you can, in some cases, close the message if you can, you know, not accept emails. Or you can do that in Twitter, say, like, I'm not going to be someone who accepts a direct inbox message from anyone. So they can't do it that way. If they do, you can say, you know, I'm not communicating with, you know, have something that's standard to say, I'm not communicating with patients this way. Please use your patient portal or call the nursing line, whatever it. it may be. You know, you can just kind of establish that Right there between your patients and how they can communicate with you. Right, that it's essentially it's a social media site. This isn't you know this isn't a consultation line. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, at the end of your presentation, you said there were five key takeaways. What are mm-hmm. your five key takeaways for you know anyone that that's interested in understanding a little bit better how they should handle you know medicine and social media? Mm-hmm. 
So do I remember off the top of the head, my head, what <laughs> the five were? <laughs> You've tested me so many times. Now I'm I have. Now you. you're <laughs> testing me. <laughs> well, your your most important message. My to most. Get there, I guess some of the you know ti- five takeaways about hashtagging your brand and making your brand is um, you know controlling your circle. Who is is help someone controlling your social media sites, you have to be careful with that. So what do you mean by that, by controlling your circle? Controlling your circle means who you're allowing to endorse you, are people tagging you, are you friends with too many people who are not really your friends, who may be you know, trying to tag you in things, or um, in case of someone who has a private practice or... Are there people in your office who are posting on your social media site on your behalf and are what they are posting appropriate? I had given that example of Ted Cruz and, you know, liking his social media site, liking pornography in the middle of the night. And so he says that, that was someone else that controls his site. So he right. needs to be really careful on, you know, it wasn't him. And um so you have to just be careful who you let in that circle, meaning also who you let be your friends on social media. And then it goes with endorsements, to that, like who's endorsing you and who's um, liking you and who's commenting and what they're commenting, and you have to be careful with that as well. So something that I'm curious about that I don't think we touched too much upon, um, when someone, when you have to be careful with someone in regards to endorsements, do you mean like kind of conflicts of interest as far as financially? Like some, let's say I'm friends with somebody who's a representative for some pharmaceutical company. Mm-hmm. Um, and then something may be misconstrued on my, you know, social media site or whatever that I'm advocating for their product. Mm-hmm. So is that something we need to kind of, or is that not that big a deal right now? Not yet, but it could be part of the something I think like I'm also a runner and I enjoy running and there was um, on Instagram or some kind of a account that was like, oh, you could get into the New York City Marathon, which is like a hard marathon to get into. You know, there's a lotto and everything. And we're going to pick, you know, Budweiser is going to pick you know, 10 people to run for their team. And it's like, well, I could run for a team, but do you want to be running for Budweiser? And Budweiser saying like, hey, look who's running for us, Dr. Gutierrez. And it's just not, I don't want an endorsement from, you know, a company that that's an alcohol company. So I'll just run on my own. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. So, I mean, we're still... Some of the other take-home messages, one was, you know, post the content you want to see. So make sure it's, you know, medically related and it's appropriate. And then the other one that was my big add-on was be kinder on social media than you are in real life. So don't get into fights. Don't get mad at, you know, people. Just turn everything into a positive. So even when, as women physiatrists talking to Medscape, we weren't like, hey, you're forgetting about PM&R, down with you. It was more like, Hey, we love your reports. Can you, you know, we really want to, we really want to be added into it, and that's taken a lot right. better. Yeah, and it, I mean, it led to a pretty good outcome. I mean, within you, you said within about two days, right? Like there, was, were, there was a turnaround time, and you guys got that relationship started, and obviously, right. you're leading to 
you know, right to the inclusion of our of our field. Right. Um, Dr. Gutierrez, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for your time. Um, if there's any other messages you want to get across, uh, we can definitely set up another another time to talk. Yeah, no problem. Just use your hashtag physiatry. Ladies and gentlemen, as we close another session of our podcast, I would like to make it clear that we make every effort to broadcast correct information. We will double check facts and assertions, but we do ask our listeners to realize that medicine is a constantly changing science and an art. One physician may have an entirely different way of doing things from another, and any views expressed are solely those of the person expressing them. We welcome any comments, suggestions, and correction of errors. We do not accept any money, services, or sponsorship otherwise from pharmaceutical, supplement, or device companies. By listening to this podcast or reading this blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you may be treating. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast or blog. Under no circumstances shall McGovern Medical School, any guests or contributors to the podcast or blog, or any employees, associates, or affiliates of UT Health be held responsible for damages arising from use of this podcast or blog. We are here to stimulate the dialogue. We are here to get the wheels spinning. We are here to spark new questions in the field of medicine. Thank you for listening.